You're socially distanced, but you're not alone. These are the COVID Chronicles with Jenny Rudolph, brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. From the front lines of healthcare, the home front, and other unique perspectives on learning and connecting in the time of coronavirus. Welcome to this conversation with Stephanie Heider, CEO of Bridging Distance. Stephanie's been working with workers in the remote and digital space for more than 20 years, and Bridging Distance got off the ground about 10 years ago right here in Massachusetts. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you are right in the middle of the maelstrom of all of our lives right now. Many of us have never done it before. Some of us have. And I think we're all learning to survive and thrive in this new world. So I'm excited to talk with you about a number of things. One of them is your idea of the distance lens, how that changes how we work together when we're communicating remotely. Some interesting things you have uh, thought about in terms of our digital etiquette. How do we interact with each other? How do we, how do we look? What is electronic body language. And then for all of us right now, I think this is maybe where we could start our sort of remote work survival kit. I think this is new for so many of us. So talk with me a little bit about what it's like to work effectively when we're working remotely for the first time. People have to get used to this idea of what work means. So a couple of things that people may want to think about. If you haven't been working remotely, it's really an adjustment to be able to think about what kind of information gets conveyed how. So things to think about are comfort with technology. Over the last 10 days, I would say we have had more first-time video conference users than in my memory of doing this. People have had to use video, have been asked to use video by their managers, by their teams, by their organizations, even if they're not comfortable with it. So it's been interesting that people are sort of scrambling to figure out what their backgrounds are, or even find out in the technology, can you put a new background in it? Quite interesting as people are really looking at that. And there's actually an interesting age difference that some of the younger folks, it's not that big a deal, but some of the older folks who are less comfortable seeing themselves on camera have struggled a little bit with that. And so I I think that some of the tips that we've given out are learning how to hide your own camera from yourself while other people can still see you. So that's not as distracting. We did research several years ago on the use of video and what's quite interesting is that people find video problematic mostly because they're distracted by their own reflection. So rather than saying, oh man, I need a haircut or I have to really get to the gym or whatever it is, they're focused on that rather than the content of the conversation. So some of those small things for people to really, you know, go online, take the tutorials of whatever technology you're using. If it's Zoom, they have terrific resources or ask your IT folks to, to, you know, share some of those tips. One of the things that I've really had to learn as someone who does a lot of online webinars is how do I interact with the camera? How do I appear to make connections with people? And I was intrigued when I was reviewing your work that you talk about electronic body language. I had never thought about that before. It seems kind of important, maybe even a little intimidating. What does it mean? 
So electronic body language is a concept that we've been talking about for about 15 years, more than 15 years, and have done four rounds of detailed research on it. But what it means is it's really about the assumptions we make about people based on their electronic habits, so how they show up for us in digital formats. So it is things like response time on email. How do they structure their email? Do they use text talk in an email? Are they responding to you know, a new topic or introducing a new topic in there? How are they on a video conference? How are they on an audio conference? Are they participating? Are they interrupting? And beyond that, what modality are they even using? And is, is email the best format to accomplish something, whereas maybe picking up the phone or something else makes more? Stephanie, at this moment where all of our work norms are very disrupted, can't walk down the hall to talk to my colleague like I used to. Mm -hmm. Can't tell by just seeing who's come into the office or who's left, who's working and what hours they're working. So with this electronic body language, and I think you're talking about sort of our footprint, what are some of the things we should be considering in this brave new world of COVID-19 where we're communicating mostly remotely right now, except those of us who are working in healthcare or other frontline work. What should we be thinking about in terms of this? Well, the first thing I would say is that people have been much more tolerant in the last week or two of people not having good digital etiquette or their own personal or team code of conduct. So what you want to think about is, what impression am I making on others? If I were the recipient of this email or this, this communication, what would I think about that person? being able to say, I am going to respond to emails, or I'm going to actually try to schedule this in a synchronous or real-time technology rather than just sending an email. Is email the best way to communicate this? Is there a better format? Can I use the Teams chat or, or some other more synchronous technology that would be a better one? Again, in the last couple of weeks, we have seen more people kind of picking up the phone or moving towards synchronous technologies like video or like phone to be able to have that deeper connection and you reduce the chances of, of misinterpretation if you have more visual and auditory cues. Those ideas are helping to create that sense of presence with each other and making people feel kind of less alone and more connected with each other, especially when they're new to video or other kinds of technologies. As we work with each other remotely, we want to think about how are we coming across, what medium are we using, and you're highlighting the value of old-fashioned phone calls, new-fashioned video to have more presence with each other and connect and have a deeper connection. So I'd like to use that as a springboard to shift to another area that I found very interesting in your research, which was digital loneliness. I hadn't heard that phrase before. Now in the media, we're hearing so much about people feeling isolated or working at home or having to stay home, not even working. Digital loneliness seems like something we're all going to have to confront more and more in the next few weeks, if not months. What is it, and what can you uh, recommend for us? So I would branch and say there's two concepts to, to look at. One is digital loneliness, and the other concept is digital isolation. Many, many, many of us are digitally isolated. For some people, that makes them feel lonely. They feel cut off 
from some of the kinds of interactions and, and, and in-person connections that they'd had previously. So that makes it a little bit harder for them to feel like they're a part of something. It makes it easier for them to, to feel and be disengaged from their team. It makes it more difficult sometimes for them to be productive. And so one of the things that we're talking a lot about is the sense of not needing a reason to reach out. So Jenny, if you and I were working together and I needed something from you and I couldn't walk down the hall and find you, in a digital world there is there's often more formality to the way in which we interact because there's not that chance to be informal. So we will often talk about making the formal informal in digital relationships. Yeah, tell me, what, what does that look like? So if, if I needed something from you and in the past I would have walked down the hall, I might be tempted to send you an email and ask for it. But what we would suggest is that you that I reach out to you. I either send you an email, I send you a text, or I call you in a more real-time way that will have us having some sort of back-and-forth dialogue and make me feel less alone. So I think there needs to be permission for ourselves. If I'm a a leader and leading remote people, I might go back and do a new temporary team code of conduct about how we're going to communicate and say, listen, you guys can chat with each other or let's put our availability on a status. If I were a leader or even team member, I would have drop-in hours every day for at least half an hour where people could just find me, call me, and I don't book anything in there and I'm at my phone or on my computer where people can find me. This is super important, especially for a leader to do. And it's a little bit harder if you're in a global environment and some of your folks are in, in, in wider time zones. But, but in this case, those kind of drop-in times are really critical for people to be able to do that. The, really, the antidote to loneliness, to digital loneliness, is visibility. And the more that you mm. can be visible to the people you're working with, the easier it is for you to, to remain connected. And that, again, take things that we might take for granted and put them into something that's, that's really concrete. So a meeting, for example, you might have an in-person meeting and it maybe starts at five minutes after the hour because people are chit-chatting. In a virtual meeting, there isn't that opportunity for chit-chat so much unless you're early to the meeting. So I would, as a leader, start with, how's everybody doing today? Let's go around and say something about ourselves, you know, how it's going. I did a virtual team building last week and asked each person on the team to take their computers and move around wherever they were working from and show us something in their office or meet one of their children or their pet or something. And I think that one of the positives coming out of this is I think we're going to lessen the rigidity that we have for digital standards, at least temporarily. But there's a huge opportunity for us to really get to know people on a deeper level because we are seeing them and working with them in their own environments. In their native habitat. Absolutely. Yeah, I've met more kids and pets. (laughs) Right, in the last couple weeks. I'd like to summarize because you said a number of really important things. So first of all, we were talking about digital loneliness, but you helped us appreciate that there's two different things. There's digital isolation, which is one thing, and then there's digital loneliness, which is sort of how I feel about where I'm sitting. We've also drifted into the topic area that I think falls under the rubric of tips for remote leadership or guidance for leaders in this remote moment. And you've said one of the antidotes to remote 
loneliness, if I understood it correctly, is visibility, having office hours or having drop-in hours. Could we talk a little bit more about that? For example, my team, we have people mostly in an East Coast time zone, but we work with people all around the world in a variety of time zones. How do we be visible to each other? How do we have those sort of ways of bumping into each other like we do when we're in the hall at work? Are we both all drift into the kitchen at the same time? Or I'm walking down the hall and I see someone put down their phone and I want to check in with them on something. I would have people connote their status on the chat function or whatever group platform that you might be using if you have that luxury. I would also feel like you don't need a reason to drop in for the informal and being able to reach out to people as needed. The other way is to have really 15 minutes at the beginning of the day and 15 minutes at the end of the day where people can check in with each other. In project world, they're called huddles. Mm. And so being able to just have a quick huddle to say, who's doing what today? Can we align our expectations? And then the other aspect to that is being able to talk about what's the expectation for availability. There are people who, based on their temperament, if they're more extroverts, they are much more likely to experience loneliness than people who are more introverted and get their energy from inside of themselves. So if I'm a leader or if I have teammates and I know that they're very extroverted and they're always the people that stand with me at the water cooler or the coffee pot and chat, those are the people who are more likely to experience that sense of isolation to lead to loneliness. Because loneliness is an individual Mm. construct about how I feel, whereas isolation is really just a physical construct. I think people are calling it social distancing And I would rather they labeled it as physical distancing, but socially bridging. That is fantastic. Right? Because socially, we need to be more connected now. It's way too late for that. But if I could change people's thinking and say social distancing is the exact opposite of what we need. We are physically distanced and we need physical distance, but we need more social connection. And we need to find ways to be talking to each other in real-time modalities. That is a beautiful insight for us. I think it's something that a number of us could start trying to change the dialogue gradually or change the terminology gradually. The other aspect to this this idea of using this time and minimizing the loneliness and the connection is through trust building, right? So building up trust. And we talk about a couple of different kinds of trust, and we have a blog about this on our website. We've been talking about this kind of relational trust, which is trust that develops based on who we are and what we know of each other. So, Jenny, as you and I get to know each other, as people get to know each other, we find out what we have in common. So it's based on what we think about as trust and the experience that people have in that. So very often team building is focused on people getting to know each other on a deeper level. Like right now, sharing things in your office or, you know, pets and all of that. But in the digital environment, there's a kind of trust called transactional trust. And that's trust that, that develops based on the way we, we execute on our commitments. Response time. Are we delivering product and tasks doing as expected? If not, are we trying to realign? So in, in this time of isolation, I think for leaders and workers to be paying attention to both developing that that relational trust, which happens in a lot of more synchronous ways in conversation, but also paying attention to the way in which we're following through on our commitments, especially during these challenging times where there are so many unknowns. We want to make sure that we are making ourselves look trustworthy by still being able to deliver what we need to. And if we can't, 
than finding resources and asking for help. I'm loving that concept of we need to strengthen trust by following through on our commitments digitally because we don't have that interpersonal cues, uh, whether it's visual or other, that we, that we usually rely on. Stephanie, we've talked about a lot today. I'd like to move toward wrapping this up, I think, by seeing whether there's anything else we want to talk about in terms of remote leadership. You have talked about the fact that many organizational leaders right now in healthcare, in industry, in a variety of different contexts are kind of having to build the airplane as we fly it because we've never worked in these conditions before. And one of those new conditions is this remote connection and having to work without the usual cues and visual contact and physical presence with each other. Are there tips for leaders that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure we think about? Well, a lot of this we've touched on in the conversation, Jenny. So overwhelmingly, I would talk about having presence and visibility with people, balancing the synchronous or the real-time and non-real-time tools that you use to create that visibility. Secondly, I'd work to really intentionally build trust with people. And in some ways, you almost have to, it has to be high-octane, expedited, just to, to help in this environment if you're going to do it well. And then lastly, I think in terms of really making the implicit explicit, what do you not know? What do you need to know? Asking people questions just to, and coming from a place of curiosity would be really, really critical. I'm delighted to hear that because one of the main focuses of our work at the Center for Medical Simulation is how do we come to people from a stance of curiosity and respect? Beautiful that that might work in this environment as well. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, you're a leader of an organization, and you now are having to work remotely. What advice would you give yourself? Wow. I guess mostly I would say that I'm hoping that I can model authenticity and vulnerability in this time when there are so many things that are different. In a lot of ways, recently I I feel um, overwhelmed with really wanting to help people, wanting to give 20 years, 20 plus years of information and feedback. And, and share it with people and hoping that can help them ease some of the fears and ease some of the anxiety by giving them and empowering them and enabling them to do this well. That, that's, a, that's a little overwhelming for me now. Well, thank you. It's wonderful that we on this conversation have been able to access some of your expertise and we will share this out on our blog with links to Bridging Distance, some of your research, Stephanie. That way people can find you if they need more assistance with these challenges. Thanks so much for spending time with us, Stephanie Heider. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Jenny. Thank you for listening, and we hope this was a bit of an oasis in your day. Remember, you're socially distanced, but you're not alone. These are the COVID Chronicles with Jenny Rudolph. Learn more at www.harvardmedsim.org.